0: Thanks for being here tonight for more life. Um, Last time we were together, we actually talked about single-use plastic. Boo. Like, I was all on this, like, I don't know. Like, we had just visited Florida, and we had seen, like, literally, like, you know, animals in the water. And a day doesn't go by. You know, like you see stuff and people flip out. I mean people come here and they're like a fox and I'm like, yeah, stupid fox. Like they're like cats here, they just run around. Like, whatever. But like when you see a dolphin and you live in the mountains, you're like, that's a dolphin. And we get crazy about it. And then you just start seeing headlines and things like that we're approaching like unprecedented times, you know? And like you'd think, yeah, well yeah, as the earth keeps moving on, like of course, we're like in new territory. But like when more species than ever before are approaching extinction, like that should like alarm our bells a little bit. Like we should be like, wait a second. Like, I mean we're overpopulating, how come they're not? <laughs> right? Like, whoa, what's going on? That's weird. There's something like disrupting this balance. So anyway, we talked about single-use plastic last time. And I was kind of hell bent on saying, like, why do we have single use plastic? Like, why does it exist? Why is it out there? And I also threw out this one question that I felt like should be asked a lot more nowadays. It's like, it's a very important question, and it stems back to me and my church world and my church days for sure. But it's this question of, is it good? Like, I don't think we ask that question enough. And most importantly, I think when we ask that question, We don't throw on this kind of extender clause, which I feel like is very crucial nowadays. So you don't just ask the question, is it good? Because oftentimes, when people ask a question, it's stemming from kind of them and their place and their position. And it can be kind of selfish, like, is it good for me? That's where the question comes from. Let's take that just a step back and then say, wait a second. Is it good for all of us? for every last one of us. And when I'm talking about us, I'm not just talking about humanity. I'm talking about a much broader question when you say, is it good for all of us? And how can we hold that? And sometimes, like, that that can get a little uncomfortable. And we talked about some of, some of that <laughs> uncomfortableness last time. But it's a question we should be considering more and more. Like I said, when more species are approaching extinction than ever before, when our human mental health is on a constant decline maybe that's an important question to ask is like what we're doing good for all of us our ridiculous creative endeavors that we all pursue and thank god for like our minds and our imagination and what we can accomplish and do but the paths that we're going down and the things that we've created and the ways that we're kind of like working in the world is it good for all of us Great kind of north kind of question to ask, to kind of guide us and keep us on track. Um, When we have such feelings of polarization and animosity and disconnection amongst all of us nowadays, I turn around, and it doesn't take much to set people off anymore. Right now, there's something in the air, right? And like it doesn't take much to push people over the edge. I don't know what that is, but again, the things that we're a part of, the things that we're embarking on, the things that we do, is it good for all of us? It's a really important question to ask, because I think that we, as humanity, I think we're brave enough. I think we're brave enough uh, to discover, find, figure out new courses to chart that will truly lead us down better outcomes than the ones we're currently headed toward. I think we can do that because we're ridiculously creative, because we're amazing like that. I was taking my recycling, because I don't pay for it. Um, I was taking it over there the other day. And I had just finished up my recycling, right? So I'm putting my bins back inside my car. I'm sending them in. And I'm a list maker, so I've got my next thing to head toward and my next thing to do. And I'm getting in my car, and the guy in front of me Opens up his hatchback and his bins fall out and stuff goes everywhere. Like cans, glasses, it's just it's a it's a bad mess. And at that point in time, I'm like, okay, I have a decision to make right now, don't I? <laughs> I do. I have a decision to make. And the decision to make is this: should I continue on with my day and get that next thing done, which I definitely feel pressure to do, or should I stop, suffer the inconvenience, and help this guy out? I chose help the guy out, so I like close my door and I walk over there. It's cold and gross out, like it is in May most often, and like it's windy. And I'm like, "Hey, stuff got away from you, huh?" He's like, "Yeah," you know. And so I'm like helping him pick up all of his cans, and we're just doing stuff and getting it all done. It took maybe three minutes of my life. He thanked me, of course, and I got back in my car. Now, honestly, when I sit down and ask the question, is it good for me, I'm thinking, probably not. <laughs> like, I'm getting behind somehow. It's that hurried state of mind that we all face. Got to save time, got to save time, got to cut that off, got to make this happen. But in the end, is it good for all of us? Yeah, it really was. Like, in the end, because like I helped him. He thanked me. That does something internally. It did. Like, my perspective slowly shifted. I kind of slowed down a little bit. I got back in my car, and I'm telling you what, it cost me a little bit of time and a little bit of effort, but it was worth it. It was worth it. And so we keep asking those questions. Is it good for all of us? Is it good for all of us? So many times what we end up giving up or what it ends up costing us from time, effort, money, inconvenience, comfort, Whatever, whatever it ends up costing us, it's almost always worth it in the end. Like, it's a better outcome when we consider, is it good for all of us? So again, I want you to keep that question on the front of your minds as we're like going tonight as we talk about these things, right? Is it good, not just for me, but for all of us? So that's the question that needs to just be simmering in the back of your mind. Now, recently... We did that talk about this absurd, hurried state of mind. We talked about like how when you open up maps, like it doesn't give you the longest route. It gives you the quickest one, right? Like, and that's the one you always pick, most often. Like I drove down to Boulder this past weekend, and I actually picked the longer route because I went through the canyon, you know. That's always so much more fun. Like driving though, I see people rock climb and doing cool things, and you wishing you could stop and like hang out, <laughs> but you can't, because you've got to go. But this, ab- her- this absurd hurried state of mind, the sense of urgency, this thing that keeps us, like, rushing and shaving off time and keeps us running around. Like, we talked about that, how our minds and hearts are set in overdrive. And I wanted to just kind of mention that tonight because it's going to kind of be on the peripheral a little bit. But that is perhaps, this hurriedness, is why we have so many freaking acronyms in the world right now, right? I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but it just keeps increasing. It's like no one can take the time to say something. Like, you have to like an acronym that sucker out, right? And it's always been around. It's not like this is new. like. But it does seem more prevalent than ever before. And what's even more ridiculous is we're expected to know all of them. Like, when my son texts me some stuff and I don't know what it is, he's like, Dad, come on. Like, how do you not know what that is? I'm like, that's like six letters. Like I don't know what that is, man. Apparently you use that all the time and I have absolutely no clue. Now, like I said, I get it, it's not new. It's been around forever, right? We all know like the normal ones, like FYI, right? For your information. Like AKA, also known as BFF. Best friends forever, right? Like there are some that have been around. They've stood like the test of time. BYOB. (laughs) Bring your own beer, right? Like, we get these. We know these. Now, texting has taken us to a different level, right? And I don't know if you're one of those people who use those. I know that images and emojis are also taking over, but let's stick with acronyms, okay? Because acronyms are where I want to go just for a moment. Texting, we know some of those too. LOL. That one's pretty standard stuff. Laugh out loud. We get that one. LMAO, laughing my ass off. Most people get that. Like, there's a band out there, right? LMFAO. Like, we won't talk about that one. But, like, there's plenty out there. YOLO. That's a pretty good one too. You only live once, right? I love when people like throw that one in my face. I hate that one. They're like, YOLO, Phil. YOLO. Come on, hang out with us. Um, or my one of my favorite ones was like, I used to watch Modern Family all the time, and when Modern Family, there was this. There was this episode where the dad was trying to be cool. And he was hanging out with his son or something. And he looked at his son. He was like, WTF, man. And his kid was like, what? And he's like, why the face? The dad, he said that. And I cracked up. <laughs> because sometimes like we don't know what the acronym stand for. There's too many of them floating around. There's too many of them out there. Now, has anyone ever played, there's this game, Balderdash, where you have to create like definitions for words. And if you've played. The most like extensive version, it's not just words. It's like dates. And they also throw in acronyms. They'll give you an acronym and be like, what does M-O-G-G-S stand for? And you have to come up with what that stands for. It is so hard to like, come up with stuff and, honestly, to determine what is real. Because they figure out we have an acronyms, acronyms for some of the dumbest stuff Like when it comes down to it. So I was going to test your knowledge tonight. Just really quickly on a few ac- acronyms. Here we go. ROFL, anybody? ROFL for laughing. Yeah, ROFL for laughing. Duh, yeah. I L Y. I love you. I love you, yeah. Because we don't want to say it, right? Like, you don't want to say that stuff. Like, ILY, you know. Yeah, ILY, ILY. OK. Um, so romantic. Yes, very romantic. All right, this one's good. S-T-B-Y This one gets me because like when I see it I think it means standby But that's not an acronym, right? That's not an acronym This one, S-T-B-Y, sucks to be you (laughs) Alright, so now you're loaded You've got that one in your back pocket now S-T-B-Y, sucks to be you That one's a pretty good one This one's good too You were lighting these up, man. You nailed it. NIMBY. Not in my backyard. You're blowing my mind right now, kid. That was really good. That's a Y. Wish you were here. Wish you were here. Uh, This is the one my son texted me, and I didn't know what it was. Yes. I had no clue that meant talk to you later. I don't know. Silly stuff, silly stuff. All right, I got one more for you. This is where we're going to land, because this is actually fear of missing out, out. FOMO. (laughs) This is a real word now. It's not even an acronym. Like, people are like, that's a, yeah, right? Like, can you, like, put some words to what that means? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah? thinking that there's something and people they are off doing something and they're not know. Totally. The we get totally. to buy things that think if we have them, Yeah. Right? It's like this. won't we'll, we'll be there It's definitely like an advertising, like, Reality now, like the fear of missing out, and it extends far, far, far beyond. I'm gonna like spell it out for you. Let's real definitions, right? I mean, Wikipedia. You but missing out and loving it. That's, what? Sometimes it's great to miss out on things. Missing out and loving it. Yeah. something. something. So. Wait, oh, 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 oh. oh. wait, wait! No, no, no! So here's where we're going. No we're going to start here with FOMO. FOMO, the fear of missing out. And then we're going to get over to here. This is the joy of missing out. Oh, there we go. There okay. go. This is the joy of missing out. That's the title for the talk tonight, Jilmo. Like 100% the joy of missing out. Because FOMO is what is literally sometimes steering the wheel for us most often. It's kind of ridiculous when you think about it. And this doesn't just have to be social media. This is so much bigger, right? Because you exist. You're a human. You're breathing. You're in the world, man. So FOMO is a part of it. Like, you're experiencing it on levels you probably don't even recognize. And certainly, those you love are experiencing it. Like, it's it's a present reality. It's going on. Um, I looked up the definition, of course, because I'm just that way. And it says, an omnipresent anxiety that an exciting or interesting event might be currently happening elsewhere, right? Um, often caused by posts seen on social media. It also said the fear you might miss an opportunity for social interaction, a novel experience, a profitable investment, or other satisfying event. What I've personally seen of FOMO is what I would consider to be a hesitation or a reluctance to commit to something. Due to like second guessing about something else coming along, right? And I see it happen all the time. I actually watch it ruin relationships. That's what's so sad, right? That FOMO like has some of this power and control over us. People are like hoping out, like thinking, like man, if I don't commit, if I don't decide, if I don't choose, if I don't join in if I just wait, that best possible outcome will eventually come, right? And somehow it's going to surface, and then I'll be able to look at all the options and choose the best one and make it happen. Sometimes you don't get that luxury. Stuff expires. Have you, I mean, milk goes bad. Like, every, like, stuff has a time limit. Like, it expires, man. You can't let the FOMO paralyze you in that kind of a way. You can't let it run your life. Now, I get, again, that FOMO's a new term. (laughs) It feels like a new term. I mean, I don't know how long it's been around, but the feeling is pretty old. It's been around in one form or fashion for a long, long, long time. I remember being a kid and getting paper invitations in the mail to go to parties, right? So the paper invitation comes, and I'm stoked. I'm going to my best friend's birthday party. You know, he's turning eight and I'm gonna be there. Wait a second, I have to go to my grandparents' house. That sucks. Sucks to be you. And like, here's what's gonna happen I know that now and I don't get to go. So my imagination takes over, right? And my imagination starts playing out scenarios and especially on the evening when I'm at my grandparents' house. I'm here, and what are they doing without me? Oh, I bet they're eating cake, you know what I mean? Like, I bet he got that sick present, and he opened it, and they're playing with that crap, and I'm not having any fun. They're having that fun, and I'm missing out, and I'm over here. And then I go to school, and I hear the stories, right? then i like get to feel the stories and then it all happens again you know what was i doing i was watching wheel of fortune man <laughs> with my grandparents like come on not fun right so FOMO's been around i mean not the term but the the feeling you know it's even there like when you get sick and you have to miss out on something that you really wanted to do you had those tickets to see those people to go to that thing and you got sick and now you're in bed and So and so is taking someone else and they're using your ticket, and like they're going out to dinner, they're getting drinks, they're going to this, and it's like, man, I am missing out 100%. It makes the whole situation worse. You're already sick, now it's like even worse. FOMO's been around in one form or fashion, but now we have social media and some other things that have like exacerbated the situation. Let's sell it. Shall we say, like exacerbated the situation and taken it to kind of unprecedented levels? I was, I was definitely like pumping this documentary on Netflix that was called Social Animals recently. And if you haven't seen it, it's okay. If you have seen it, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. But there's a girl in there, and she talks about dating in 2019. And she says, Well, here's what it's like to be a girl dating in 2019. You're going to school with people, and maybe you're too afraid to talk to someone, so you end up kind of Snapchatting them, right? And you kind of like meet people through Snapchat and you kind of send some stuff back and forth, and that's how it happens because it's less risky, you know, it's a little awkward to talk in person, so we're not sending note- notes anymore necessarily, so it's chatting. You know, and you send these things back and forth, one thing leads to another, you're dating, and you create kind of like an album online, you've got these things, you know, you've got pictures, videos, and all this stuff that you send back and forth to one another. Eventually, the relationship goes sour and you break up, and then your boyfriend starts dating someone else, and you're friends with that person, and you're friends with him. And so you might even continue to see stuff. They might still Snapchat you on different things. If you're on Facebook, you get the feed and you see, like, now you get to see everything you're missing out on with that person you had a connection to and that you kind of loved. And it's there. And you're just constantly missing out and confronted with it on a daily basis. So it's not just like your imagination taking off with you, it's like photos, videos, and all of it. It's not the stories at school anymore, it's like right in front of you all the time, making you feel like you're missing out constantly. She talks about that. And then let's just like own up to it. I mean, all of advertising and everything is basically telling us you're going to miss out if you don't fill in the blank. You will. You're going to miss out. Don't miss this. Buy this. Be a part of this. Go to this. Do this. And you see all this stuff all the time and you really almost can't escape it. It's just there. It's really hard to deal with sometimes. So you've kind of kind of got this low-level anxiety rolling around that I'm missing out. Because let's face it, you can't do it all, right? I mean, it's physically impossible. Like, you can't be in two places at once, and there's not a chance you can do everything that's put out to you. So you've got to make choices. And that's where it gets interesting. I grew up with choose-your-own-adventure books, and they were awesome. My boys are growing up with choose-your-own-adventure shows, like Bear Grylls on Netflix. Have you seen this? It's pretty cool. If you haven't seen this, you got to check it out. But it's like it's on Netflix, and it's a show you watch. And Bear Bear Grylls, do you guys know who he is? Am I talking like crazy talk? He's that like outdoor survivalist dude who talks with a sweet accent, and so like it's worth it just to watch him for that. But he'll like get to this place, and he's like. Oh, I gotta cross this ravine, you know? And, like, I mean, should I walk across the bridge? I don't know, it looks kind of sketchy. Or should I swing across the vine? You choose. And then you, like, grab your controller and you pick one. And he does whatever you tell him to do. It's pretty cool, man, right? Like, so same concept, but, like, a choice has to be made. You can't just sit on your hands and say, screw it. Like, I don't know, maybe. Is he going to give me a third option? Maybe something better is going to come on. I don't know. Like, Let's just wait. Let's just do nothing. It doesn't happen. Now, if you're like me too, when I read Choose Your Adventure books, like, I was like, well, I picked that one. Let's flip back and do the other one. You know what I mean? Let's do them all. So by the time you've read the end of the book, you've read every possible outcome there was. You have done it all. And that's what everybody's doing with Bear Grylls. They're making him do everything. And there's a Black Mirror episode out where you can pick every ending possible, and you can like go down all these trails. But that's not reality. Reality isn't you can do everything. You can't choose everything. You can't be a part of everything, and you can't possibly make that happen. You're a limited person, limited energy, limited capabilities. Like it's you, and you're going to choose some things. Or you won't. I've dealt with a lot of students who go off to college, And they simply say, man, I have to pick a major. I have no clue what to pick. Do you know how many majors there are? So many majors. I'll just be undeclared. (laughs) Good choice. Like That's fine. Like, whatever. I'll do business. Yeah, do business. Like, that's huge, like, in the end. But then they get out. Oh, my god. I have to pick a job. I have to do something now? Like, what am I going to do? Do you know how many options there are out there? And it's like, yes, yes. And sometimes, like, the feeling of so many options and that overwhelmed, like, let's explore everything just wears you down. So sometimes people end up doing absolutely nothing, paralyzed. It's like the fear of missing out. I don't want to pick the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. Go down the wrong path. Do the wrong road. But man, it just makes you sit completely still. The fear of missing out is a real real present anxiety and fear out there today. And I wanted to kind of bring it up because, I don't know, I want to suggest a couple of remedies for it. I feel like we're all feeling it to a certain degree and it's out there and sometimes we don't even realize it's impacting us or affecting us. So I'm going to throw out a couple of things that maybe, just maybe, can help us. I once read somewhere that the most difficult place to be is exactly where you are. I agree. <laughs> like, that's the hardest thing in the world to do. The most difficult place to be is exactly where you are. And kind of with FOMO, that's what we're talking about. How is it that you're actually just gonna be where you are? Because FOMO actually is making you miss out a lot, you know? Like, you, it's the fear of missing out, but what it does is make you miss out in huge, huge ways. Like, from complacency to inaction to ruined relationships, like, it just keeps you sometimes in this state of fear. And fear is fear. It holds you captive. It keeps you there. It's not a great place to be. So we want to move from this idea of the fear of missing out to the joy of missing out. Why could missing out, like, be an honestly awesome thing? Now, I'm gonna suggest a couple of things just to kind of like help remedy the fear of missing out. First one I'm gonna throw out there is pretty great, but you know, have you ever heard that 99% of emergencies aren't emergencies? You know, they're just not. It's like 99% of the time, not an emergency, not a big deal. So, the first thing I'm gonna say is simply choose to underreact in life. FOMO has most of us walking around and treating everything like and it's an emergency. It's definitely linked to that hurried state of mind that I was talking about. We're trying to save time, and we don't even know why. It's because we think we're going to miss out somehow. If I don't get this done as fast as possible, like what would I? I mean, who knows? Like, I need those three minutes. I can't help that guy pick up his cans. Like, what if, right? And so choose to underreact. This is great. Like, I love this. I have three boys. And I can't tell you the number of times they get home and everything that they want to show me or tell me has to happen right then. Right, can't wait. Can't wait. Why? Because they'll probably forget about it because it's not that important, <laughs> right? Because like honestly, like it's probably not a big deal. So here's the deal. Like I can't tell you how many conversations I've been a part of where my boys interrupt. I'm talking to Ann, I'm checking in with her about her day. She's telling me everything. I'm talking her, with her, telling her about my day. And someone comes in, and he's like, Dad, you got to see this right now, watch this. And I'm like, hang on a second. You know what? We're talking. How about I watch that in 10 minutes, right? No emergency here. Like, we can just slow down. Doesn't have to be treated like that. But when you kind of start underreacting to things, It takes some of the urgency out. It creates this space and allows for room. And slowly but surely, what you start realizing is, man, I was living in this kind of emergency state of mind. This is ridiculous. Why am I even doing this? I don't know. But I'm not missing out on anything. I'm not. And I can slow down and I can choose to underreact to almost everything. Like, it's all right to be that kind of a person. I love those people, by the way, when I come into contact with them, and they just, like, like, it's like this wash over you. It's like, nothing is a big deal to you. I love this. Let's just sit down. Let's, like, enjoy the moment. It's amazing. I love coming into contact with people who choose to underreact. From emails, texts, voicemails, notification posts, all of those things like completely interrupt and say, look at me, look at me, now, now, now. And you treat it like I have to. Like, what if? Oh, that's all? Boom. And then you're like back, but what just happened there? Like, what was going on? Why were you allowing that to be an emergency? Why was it so important? Now, number one, choose to underreact. That's a great practice to like embrace and kind of go down. The next one is power down. And all I'm meaning is, power down your devices. That's it. Devices, screens, whatever it is. Power down. We have a son who's at High Trails right now. And he was a little nervous about going. So he's at High Trails, and we were going to bed last night, and, we, and Ann looks at me, and she's like, so you don't think they would call us, like, in the middle of the night? Because both of our phones are downstairs charging. Like, Anne has graciously adopted. She bought this thing, and she's adopted this new thing for our house. That at night we're just not going to have phones in people's rooms, and they're going to like all be at this one charging station at a certain time. Boom! They all go there, and so we're like, they wouldn't like call us during the middle of the night, would they? Like, that's not going to happen. And I was like, no, it's not going to happen. Like, would not. Ha-. Didn't happen. Like, just let me. Everybody, you know, didn't happen. But. How many of us live by that motto our entire lives? What if someone needs to contact me? So what do you do? You have the device on and with you. And what you've subtly done is you've made every moment an emergency, believe it or not, without even realizing it. You've done that. What if someone needs to contact me? It could be really important. Every time that phone rings, every text I get, it could be super duper important. And everything's an emergency. So power down. You're not that important. Like seriously, Like, just power that sucker down. They called. They can wait. I mean, there was a point in time where everyone waited. Like I was talking with my father-in-law before, before we came here tonight. I was like, I remember the busy signal. That was awesome. I hated it, but now I think it's awesome. <laughs> And I wish they would bring back the busy signal. I wish we could do this somehow. We could bind together. I don't know, is there a petition? Can we do something to bring back the busy signal? The busy signal was, when I called my best friend at 428-7851, whatever, I like rang him up and it went like this. Dang it, I can't get a hold of him. He's busy. Like, it's probably his brother on the phone, but whatever. Like, right? Like, I can't even get a hold of him. No voicemail. No call waiting. No texting. Like, he's just busy. He's unavailable. Man, that's awesome. That's something we're missing and we don't even know it. That's something that's changed that, like, has impacted us and changed us internally, mentally, so many ways we don't even know. So, like, power down. I don't think we're ever going to bring the busy signal back. It's not going to happen, man. But you know what you can do? You can power down. You can literally say, like, I'm going to sleep, and whatever phone call comes, it's all right. It's all right if they get me tomorrow. I mean, like, When I grew up, your phone was in the hallway anyway. And if it rang during the middle of the night, I mean, someone answered it. I mean, you could leave your phone on, just put it on a charging station. Maybe you'll wake up. Like, if it rings, you know what I mean? You're still okay. So power that sucker down. Power it down. Don't make everything an emergency. What if someone needs to contact you? They still will. It's okay. It's not a big deal. Practice turning off your screens and your phones. Don't let the notifications interrupt you. Don't let them determine where your mind and heart are at. You get to do that. You get to choose that kind of adventure. You get to say, like, here's where my mind is at. Here's where my heart is at. Here's where I am. I'm not going to be pulled into those other spheres right now. Like, I'm taking control of that. Piggybacking on that one is setting some life-giving limits. Limits are great. Like, limit has really, it's got like a bad, negative connotation nowadays like we like to break through limits and push limits and you know like be like limit breakers but like limits are limits are pretty good like I remember inviting my dad out here and he was like 60 66 67 and I had a friend out here who had some horses my dad grew up loving horses and this guy was like hey does your dad want to ride some horses I was like I don't know I mean, he's like 66, 67. Do I want him on a horse? (laughs) He hasn't been on a horse in a while. What happens when that horse throws him? I don't know. Like, maybe some limits are pretty good. I went to the playground the other day with my boys, and they wanted to play this game called Groundies. Groundies is a game in which someone's it on the ground, and everyone else is on the playground equipment. And when the person who's it steps on the playground equipment, you have to close your eyes. So the person who's it is blind climbing and walking on playground equipment trying to tag people. Yeah, like I think maybe I shouldn't play that game anymore. You know like when I was like their age and I hit my head or I fell off something like the next day I was pretty good. Now like it's like a week two later I'm pretty good. So limits. What's wrong with limits? Especially when it comes to our always on, always connected world. What's wrong with setting some limits? I'm gonna propose something crazy that I don't even know if I can do. What would it look like for you to check your phone twice a day? Oh my gosh. Like, clearly we're all addicts, and that's okay. You gotta start somewhere. And obviously, like, if you're gonna start somewhere and you're gonna say, like, okay, if I am an addict, guess what? whatever i do to help myself is probably going to raise my anxiety and hurt a lot more before it gets easier and actually helps right so when you start going without it it's going to actually like increase and seem like really bad before it like gets better i remember having a message machine growing up an answering machine answering machine right so now we've like yeah hey You would call and ring up people, and it would just ring forever. Like, that happened during my lifetime. And then eventually, these cool little machines with little tapes came out. And you could make a fun message to leave for people. That was always the best part. How were you going to do that? But now when you call and ring, it rings three times. And then you get this message. And then you leave a message. And so like, that was the coolest part about coming home sometimes. I was like, this is awesome. You would run back to the machine and press play, because it's flashing three. So there's three messages who called? Who called? Who was it? Was it for me? I don't know. Boom. Play, play, play. I remember like checking that thing a couple times a day. And outside of that, you had no clue who was calling you. It's not a big deal. Like they would call again, I guess, if they really wanted to talk to you. What would it look like for you if you set some limits? If you said, you know what? I'm only going to check that. I'm going to check in with that four times a day, five times a day. And then the other times, I'm not going to let it control me. I'm not going to let like the notifications and all this kind of stuff worry me. I'm not going to let that kind of be dictating where I'm at and what's going on here. I don't know if you've ever been with someone like at the movies. I mean, this happens all over the place. There's always the one person who's doing something, and their phone keeps going off some sort of way. Messages, emails, I don't know, phone ringing, whatever. And they're just acting like it is the biggest inconvenience. It's like, oh, why are they contacting me now? Why? Ooh, another, another text. Oh my gosh, another text. Oh, I can't stand this. Ah, oh. pause this, walk over, check my phone, send it to them, put it down, press play, it goes off again. I'm like, what? Why? It's like, dude, turn it off. Like, <laughs> silence that thing. You are in control, man. Like, set the limit. Figure out where that space is and then create that space for you. Because oftentimes what happens is, like, I've watched people get so frustrated by what's happening on their phone. And it's like, man, you're supposed to be relaxing right now. You're on the beach, but you brought your phone. Like, you're supposed to be relaxing, but you're not, right? You're supposed to have peace, but you're, like, having more stress. You're supposed to, but this. And it's like, set the limit create the space. You make it happen. You decide, you choose it, right? You make that happen for you. We're all horrible multitaskers. We are. Like we just can't make it happen. I've been on the phone before and like my I'm pretty for sure my kids like love to ask me important questions when I'm on the phone. Like that's kind of how it works cuz I make crappy decisions when I'm like distracted. Like, so if I'm like, engaging in something, that's when you want to ask me, hey, can I do so-and-so? And I'm like, yeah, whatever, sure. You're like, ah. And it, like, it just happens. So the more you're trying to multitask your life out, the more reckless you probably are Like in so many ways. You're distracted. You're not operating at full capacity. Like, Set the limits and don't let it pull you off onto another direction. Um, I want to mention one other one before I get to this other thing. And that would, I would say people first. People first. I know several people who have adopted the policy that when I'm with a person, that person is a priority. And nothing can pull me out of that moment, right? Not a phone call, not anything. And all of our phones, most of them now, have the capability of being silenced in some kind of way. I mean, all the way down to turning it off, you could do that. You could literally say, I'm meeting with the person and they're right in front of me. This is where I am, perhaps the most difficult space to be, with this person, looking at them eye to eye. So I'm, I'm going to like silence this, put that on airplane mode. I'm going to turn this off. Because none of that other stuff is an emergency, and she pulled me away. So people first. This matters, like this connection. I prioritize that above everything else. And I will check my phone after I'm done here, or when they go to the bathroom like that happens, right? But what would it look like to say people first? People first. How would that reduce this idea of FOMO? This idea of like I'm missing out on something. I read the uh, symptoms of FOMO, and it was cracking me up. It was like, so do you endlessly scroll through feeds of something? I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Do you feel really bad when you find out that you've missed out on something? Yeah. Like I'm just going down the level like, you know. Like do you feel more fatigue after you look at all this? Yeah. Like of course I do. Of course I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cuz like I'm constantly like trying to be on the inside or like looking for something. And at the root of FOMO, there's this idea that like we feel like we're going to be left out. We've all been left out at some point, right? And that really sucks. Like, you've not been invited to that thing, or you've been intentionally ditched. Like, something happened, and you've been left out, and it hurt. And so at the root of FOMO is this idea that, like, I, I want to be included. I want to be a part of something. I want to be involved. I, I want to be at the center of this. Like, I want to be there. And so like we're reacting you know, to kind of this hurt and this pain that we've experienced before. We're really good at protecting ourselves and not wanting to be hurt again. And so sometimes what we do ends up not being that good for us when we try to protect ourselves. Now, the last thing I'm going to leave you with is this. The whole idea of choosing your own adventure, I would literally argue that you're going to find meaning and purpose in life when you choose your own path, when you make your own decisions and when you own them. I've worked with a lot of students over the years. And I watch a lot of people get to this place in life where they're very complacent, and they feel like life is meaningless, and it doesn't possess much meaning and purpose. And they just kind of like, what is going on? And before you start to know what they've kind of done is sit on their hands for a long time. And it's kind of this fear of missing out, and they don't make some decisions, and they don't choose some things, and they kind of just go with the flow a little bit. And they find themselves in a place that they can't really own, that's not really them. I get it. Like, I've heard people compared to sheep before. Like, like the reason we say this is because they just follow around. They just do whatever's right in front of them. And they just do that same thing. But this whole idea of like owning your own story, making it uniquely yours, sometimes you forget that you have the freedom to choose everything you do. There's been some studies about FOMO and one of the things they discovered is this. When people say, "You know what? I'm going to work a little bit longer and I'm not going to do that thing." And they feel like it's an obligation rather than a choice they personally made, FOMO's greater. Like it changes when it's like, "I have to do this. I can't get out of this." Like it's a, it's an obligation that I can't rather than I'm choosing this. This is my choice. I'm owning this. I want this. I'm going to do this. FOMO isn't nearly as great when that happens, when it's your choice, and you're stepping out and saying, this is uniquely my story, and I'm going to embrace this. So it's less like, you know, I'm trapped. And it's more like, this is my life. This is what I'm choosing. This is what I'm doing. This is where I am. And so slowly but surely, you can actually move toward things that matter to you. You can actually say, no, this is something I've chosen. This is something I want. This is something I'm going to do. And it decreases that fear of missing out, that anxiety, that kind of fear, that stress that's there. Fear is fear. It's going to hold you captive. It's going to hold you back. Fear does that really, really well. I am a longtime friend of fear. I swear to you. It's like a BFF. You guys know what that means? Best friends forever. So it's like one of those things. We've got to figure out how to transition from this fear of missing out to this joy of missing out. Joy of missing out looks like this. It's suddenly realizing that you possess the freedom to choose. You have that choice. That's within your power and your capability. You get to do that the joy of the freedom to choose. It's also in understanding that you can protect what matters most to you. You don't have to be pulled every which way. You don't have to be, like, completely suckered in and baited by this idea that, like, I have to do it all. No, 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 no. I can actually choose, and in doing so, I can protect what matters most to me, rather than being spread, like, so thin and suddenly realizing, like, oh, man. None of this stuff matters. You can also realize like in doing so that you're not afraid. You're not going to be afraid of missing out. It's actually kind of like a brave decision to like choose to miss out on certain things. This is like actually like something courageous to do. You choose less drama, you choose more peace, you choose living over inaction. And complacency and you end up in this space where man I'm actually missing out but this like feels a lot like joy. I'm missing out on some stuff but that's alright. I don't know if you've ever like had that realization. It's kind of like an epiphany but it's the moment where you realize that your life is yours. <laughs> it's like really ridiculous. And it comes like in these spurts like right in these spurts of all these obligations and responsibilities that you feel. Because they're out there, and they're real. But then you also start feeling like, but man, but this is like my life, right? Like, I get to choose that. This is my adventure. I make those choices. This is my responsibility. And suddenly, like, all those posts and all those things that hit you and all those stories that come your way, it's like, wait a second. But that's I'm not even playing that game. (laughs) Doesn't even matter to me. Like, they're trying to make it matter, doesn't? You know, And I'm not going to be a part of this because here's where I'm going. And so like I'm going to own this, and I'm going to choose this. And then when someone says you're missing out, I could say, no, I'm not. No, I picked this. This is what I'm doing. And I love this. And I'm not going to let this stuff kind of steer me off course or pull me or distract me. So the fear of missing out, FOMO. Ugh. It's very real. It's very felt. It's very much out there. If you ever bump into a younger people. I watch relationships, like, sadly, with FOMO, um, get kind of sabotaged and wrecked all the time. I'm trying to figure that one out, especially for my sons coming up and in this world. And like, what does that look like? But a lot of people hold one another at arm's length. And we all know what that feels like. But when you have a group of friends who that's all they do, is hold one another at arm's length because they're waiting for something better to come along? It feels horrible. <laughs> and this is what like relationships start looking like. It's like, well, yeah, I don't know if I can do something with you. Sorry. Mo, I'll make a decision on Friday, you know? Like, I don't know. It's like, dude, are we like hooked or not? <laughs> like, let's like make some plans. Let's hang out. Let's do something. So anyway, FOMO. Oof. Let's figure that one out and figure out kind of how more to tap into the joy of missing out. Is there joy there? Can we find it? Can we discover it? Can we pursue it? Can we chase after it? Can we make that a priority? And what would that look like? So there you go.